I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets, all that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca wherever you get your podcasts. TIAA is on a mission. Why? Because 54% of Black Americans don't have enough savings to retire. So in collaboration with big name artists like Wyclef Jean, TIAA released Paper Right. New music inspiring a new financial future. With 100% of streaming sales going to a nonprofit that teaches students how to invest. Stream Paper Right now and help close the gap. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Hello there, C-Note here, and welcome back to Dopamine. I'm your host, Christian Rivera, and today I want to talk about the fact that A, I uh, may be dyslexic, and um, actually, I maybe is not even really like the right term. It's, it's a pretty much a near certainty. Um, there are all sorts of reasons, and a, this is not an episode that's going to go into necessarily all of the facts and figures related to dyslexia. I more so want to talk about um, my relationship to it, what is coming up for me emotionally, and then what am I going to do about it. So uh, how did I land on this? It's probably the first part, is that I was exploring some of my energy challenges. I, I mean, I'm tired a lot. And I've been trying to find out why I'm so tired these days. I'm also trying to explore uh, why I've had some challenges with writing, uh, particularly in my in my business happenings. I struggle quite a bit when it comes to writing out emails or writing articles or anything like that. It's usually a pretty big bottleneck for me when I have an article that I want to write on my to-do list doesn't mean I've never been capable of writing and aren't capable of writing, but I'm realizing how daunting writing is and how laborious writing has been for me. And um, so Molly, my wife, has been very much supportive in helping me understand this in that she's been a, I mean, she's a master's educated uh, teacher. She's not currently teaching in the school system, but she is um, like intensely trained in that space and she's worked with kids who are dyslexic and uh, she said she's had questions about it for me but hasn't been the right time to bring it up and so we've been exploring some of that together and how it makes sense um, one of the the biggest revelations for me in doing research and trying to figure it out is that well first of all I was generally looking for um, reading comprehension challenges I was just trying to figure out um, based on 
based on reading some legal documentation recently and also reading some uh, really, yeah, a lot, a lot of legal stuff, not only for um, some some personal legal stuff, but for like health insurance and anything that's like a formal government document or anything that I have instructions and I have to do in an order is is really, really hard. It's it sometimes my mind just kind of blurs and sometimes I just can't really focus or or comprehend it. Like I will read the entire paragraph or multiple paragraphs of things and like none of it makes any sense to me. And so I've continuously in my life have had to read paragraphs over and over again. Uh, sometimes I'll lose my place. And so when I, uh, for some reason, Twitter has been really good for me in terms of writing because I can piecemeal it. Like I can understand things better when I write things kind of one sentence at a time and put a space between them. So I'll write a sentence and then do a, a carriage return or just like a, you know, leave a paragraph space and then write another sentence, another paragraph space, another sentence. And that helps me comprehend what I'm saying. And I also think it helps other people comprehend what I'm saying as well. Um, but that's just my assumption because it's just easier for me to consume. When somebody sends me like a big block of text, it is very, very daunting. Um, especially on YouTube, I get a lot of uh, INTPs that are my audience that will send me like a giant block of text. And I usually don't read those um, because they're very, uh, it's very overwhelming. Unless I get enamored by maybe the first sentence or two. So if there's like a passion behind it, I can usually read it. And that's really a thing that I've noticed also is that if I'm reading a book that is written by someone that has a passion behind what they're saying, it's a bit easier for me to understand. Uh, so informational text or very matter of fact speaking is very hard for my brain to comprehend. I, I have to like read it multiple times usually to understand it. So I was reading this like legal document and, um, is something that Molly had handed to me and for me to like review. And I had a hard time. I was reading it slowly. And then like Molly was like, are you okay over there? It's taken a while. And, and I started to feel a little bit of shame around it and feeling uncomfortable. Cause this is something where I tend to read. I tend to read on my own in isolation. I don't like to read out loud. I don't like to, um, to, to have that, um, that, you know, my, my intelligence questions by that, um, semblance of, 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 uh, I'm distracted by the cicada and I can't do anything about it. Okay. It's going away. Great. Um, <laughs> uh, that's been happening a couple of times when I've been podcasting, there's just like loud cicada that suddenly just pops in. And, uh, so that's part of like, I get distracted easily when reading, like I need a pretty, secluded space not not that i'm not around uh, sensory information but nothing that could gather my attention or distract me so i i tend to need like headphones on or something where i'm um you know i i can't necessarily be bothered by someone else so I, i've gotten better in my years I, I actually spent a long time in my life without reading because i was just so kind of ashamed of my challenges with reading. I've, I've always read like nonfiction books, but usually from people who are really interested in their topics. And um, uh, so reading fiction books, my brain just like completely phases out. I can't always comprehend what someone's saying. 
and uh, or, or my mind trails off, which is maybe a completely other thing. But what's interesting, too, is relating all of this to my childhood in terms of my education. So I struggled a lot in school, and I basically determined how to get through school, and I just did the bare minimum because I realized that um, reading was a struggle. I um, just would find my own way around having to read at any kind of depth. I just told Molly that I was <laughs> recording a podcast, um, so I'll have to call her back shortly. Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? So yeah, when I was a kid, I was really struggling with uh, with reading and writing. I, I didn't like to write papers, in college in particular. I didn't like writing papers. I hated it so much. There was one class in college, I'll go back to my childhood in a second, but there was one class in college, it was an art history class, and um, I've take, I had to take art history three times, because the first class, uh, I don't remember the, f the second reason, no, actually, hold on, the first class, I failed, um, well, I, I failed all two times because, and really failed the third time too, but my teacher was really willing to help me, um, it was because remembering names and dates and all of those things has been um really difficult for me like i i just um what we had to do was like look at paintings and remember the person who painted it and the date of when it was painted and uh, i think maybe sometimes the the style of painting and i was just not good at um trying to get uh i have to pause Okay, sorry about that. I had to um, take a phone call. That was important. So, um, it's got pulled out of flow. I'm not really sure where I am. But um, I was talking, I think I was talking about art and my art uh, art history class and how, yeah, I had to just remember a lot of dates and names and stuff like that. And I've always been awful at that. And um, that those classes were, were kind of a nightmare. Um and just harkens back to when I was a kid and a lot of this dyslexia research reminded me of struggling reading textbooks and studying. Like it was, it always kind of amazed me that someone could just like read out of a textbook and study. I just couldn't do that. Um, the, all, all of that information just didn't stick into my brain. I couldn't read it. It just was too matter of fact. It was cold. It was, it lacked passion. Uh, so a lot of that was really, hard. I remember being put into a closet. It was like a big closet. It wasn't like a, like a tiny closet I was shoved into, but it was a, a closet with a desk and it was kind of assumed as, you know, everyone's doing their best in the early nineties, mid nineties to, um, you know, keep their kids focused, but really, uh, it, it was like, you know, there's a lot of scapegoating around like video games and TV and more emerging media at the time that was like keeping kids from being focused and studying. And so I was put into the closet and had to study for like two hours. And I don't remember absorbing anything. I kind of stared at the same page and I, I remembered the pace at which other people were reading. And I would basically just like flip the page every minute or two uh to match the pace and then just kind of like reach the end right and that's kind of an exemplification of a lot of tactics that i had growing up uh throughout school is like i would just 
fake it till I made it, basically. I didn't have good grades. I was not an overachiever. If anything, it was the opposite. I felt unsupported. I felt like I couldn't tell my teachers or my parents, really, that I was struggling in these ways. Or really, I didn't have a sense that this was anything... Uh, that there was anything wrong with me, necessarily. Um, I just felt like... Uh, I think because I'm a one, I was kind of blaming the school system already as a kid. And I was like, this is awful. I just want to get through this. And um, when I get older, I'm going to learn my way. And I have. As I'm now older, I've been able to learn through podcasts and YouTube and multi-sensory learning, which is amazing. And so I've really been making up a lot of lost time as an adult, particularly maybe the last five to eight years, really, um, as things, you know, internet speeds get faster and cell phones get better. Uh, I've been able to learn at a more insatiable pace. It's been really intense to tap into all of those, um, lost opportunities, it feels like. So, what I'm realizing also is that like part of the science of it all is that basically there's a disconnection between phonetic understanding and symbols. Like one thing, one of the videos I watched, I watched a ton of YouTube videos and read a couple articles, um, scanned a couple articles uh, about dyslexia. And one of the things that surprised me is if you take the word elephant, that a uh, dyslexic person will typically think of Ella and Fant as like two sounds. But Fant, for example, is like fa, uh, and, and ta. And I'm like, I've, whoa, I was like, my brain was just so shocked by that. <laughs> it's like, I never really thought of it that way. Um, so I realized that the way that I've learned words has been like kind of a series of shortcuts, mental shortcuts, you know, just compensations in my mind. And, um, putting those connections together. So I was surprised by that. And the same thing with the word cat, that is ka, uh, and ta. And I'm like, but it's, it's cat. <laughs> like cat, cat is one sound in my mind. And, um, that's just not true. Uh, and I never realized that or never, ha never really made that connection in my mind. So, you know, a lot of this is realizing some of those, uh, challenges growing up and um, how they've led to today and um, making adjustments accordingly. So, you know, there's so much interesting about the brain's usage. And because I've had to reroute a lot of my understandings in my brain, that uh, it's just, it consumes a lot of energy. And so I've been trying to understand my own energy challenges and I'm realizing that I'm doing more reading than ever before. I'm on Twitter a lot and um, struggling to write. And I'm really trying to push myself. You know, being an Enneagram 1 and an INTP, there's A, with uh, with being an INTP, there's a little bit of a sense of, of not wanting to feel stupid or look stupid. And then being a 1, being persistent and just feeling like I need to push through, right? And persistence has been something that's been really helpful to me, but I feel like I'm reaching the edges of persistence these days. Like there's just some things that I need to accept that I have struggles with that are really difficult, that are maybe not good usage of my time and energy. 
and needing to find alternative adjustments to, um, to or alternative ways, right? And technology, as technology has been emerging, as I said, multi-sensory learning has been a game changer for me. So being able to learn via YouTube or courses online or whatever, I'm, even my client work is related to courses and stuff. So there's a lot of my history related to work, starting my own business and career stuff, consistency, um, you know, doing some of the simple things like having an email list and doing weekly emails or writing articles and taking advantage of SEO and all of those things. Those are the areas that I tend to have struggles with and realizing that a part of realizing that I have dyslexia is an acceptance, right? So yesterday in particular, I spent a lot of time navigating in my mind the grief over this um, because it's it's not something that I caused. It's not something, anything I did wrong, but there's a lot of shame associated with it, especially as a kid. And once reading starts to come into play as a kid, there's like this great divide that happens. Suddenly you're a kid that can read really well and you're uh, quote unquote gifted or you have struggles with reading and your kid are considered dumb, right? So that's like a great divide. And I've learned that there's like up to 70% of kids in juvenile delinquency are dyslexic. <laughs> like, okay, that's very directly linked to this perception of reading uh, and intelligence, which is not even true. I don't consider myself a stupid person by any means. And, um, I don't think many people, I mean, stupid is just like another version of like this overachievement focus. And even a lot of dyslexic stuff that I was looking into was like, you can be a success too. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about being success. <laughs> I just want to be able to manage my energy and function and um, realize that I have certain limits in certain areas. So I need to do certain things in a different kind of way. I, I don't even care about success. It's just about being able to um, adapt on a day-to-day -day basis. And, um, you know, part of this reading thing too, is just like not even realizing that, that reading as a human species is not, is like a fairly novel thing, you know, like the elite of people learned symbols and were able to read and had, um, you know, premium access to, to books and stuff. Um, but like reading at scale is still a very new thing. It's almost like, it's almost like marriage in a weird way. It's like marriage was a, you know, a, a monarch thing or a bourgeoisie thing. And then it kind of passed down to the peasantry and everyone was like, oh, we want to be like kings and queens too. And then it became about like, you know, passing goods and services back between each other and, and uh, family exchanges and stuff. And then, you know, reading is just like, oh, suddenly we have this way to educate the masses about certain things. And, um, and, and reading has become this like measure of intelligence, even though it's not even remotely the only kind of intelligence that anyone can experience or exhibit. Right. So I'm getting all heightened and excited about it, but it's, you know, it, it makes me upset to realize how many people are, um, how many geniuses are out there potential geniuses are out there that are easily that are discouraged at such a young age because there's no dys dyslexic testing at a young age and um 
you know, no ways to treat that. But, you know, we're evolving as people and it's, it's societally and stuff. And those things are starting to happen in small doses. Um, so maintaining some hope there. And, um, but part of the grief has been anger. Part of the grief has been sadness and frustration and, um, and, and acceptance, you know, I kind of landed on acceptance and I'm landing on acceptance, acceptance, meaning that like, this is a very real reality for the brain, for what I experience, but also realizing the other side of it, that like my, my, my more right brain stuff, my more, um, visual spatial is strong. My, um, art mind, um, engineering, all of that stuff, uh, is is much more attuned i feel even physically the right part of my brain doesn't feel any aches and pains i realize the left side of my brain does and usually in the spot that they've actually denoted as the the, the part that has some trouble with functioning and making those connections those phonetic connections between sounds and words and and uh, symbols on on a page so you know, in a lot of ways, you know, just teaching via text is becoming much more archaic and multisensory learning is hopefully improving. But what I'm hoping to do and take the reins on is continue multisensory learning. So not relying on text. Uh, you know, if I'm, I have an article in, in the app pocket, which has a, like a, a free speech to text component, uh, or text to speech component, I'm going to utilize that more. Same with Kindle, um, you know, listening to more podcasts um, and perhaps leaning a little bit on virtual assistant services. Uh, I used to use fancy hands and I'm thinking we're going to start using them again the, for, for little things like scheduling appointments and things that maybe um, can be a little taxing and not a great use of my time. And uh, I'd eventually like to be able to afford a writer, someone who can write some emails or write articles for me, uh, but that might be a little bit far off. And, um, you know, maybe trying speech to text when I'm texting someone and um, or favoring voice messages. Uh, I'm realizing that's why I like podcasting and why I like doing YouTube videos, because I can do more speech related stuff and I, I can communicate typically no, not without a problem. It can be a little jumbled. It's not perfect, but um, it's certainly easier than writing. And um, so not that I shouldn't stretch those muscles of writing, but it's, I always feel like with any kind of personal growth, it's like leaning into your strengths. So if I'm using all of this energy <clears throat> to consistently reroute my brain to, to, to read or to to write or communicate in those ways and through reading or writing through text, basically that there's probably a lot of energy that I'm using on that and can reroute that energy dispersal to be able to, to, to be more effective in making money and running my business and supporting people in my life and stuff like that. Right. I've realized that's probably one of the challenges I've had with reaching out to friends and family in the past is that as we've got a, an increasingly text-based world, um, there is a, a, you know, it's discouraging for me to want to reach out in that kind of way. I don't like having long conversations via text. Um, I don't like writing long emails or anything like that. I like to keep things succinct and I don't want to, 
um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really hard to lean into that. And I don't, and I think feeling like I don't have to, or realizing I don't have to necessarily that I can use other tools is, is going to be, it already feels kind of liberating and it's, it's something that, um, if I can lean in a little more, uh, I already have an Amazon echo here and then, um, I might get like a Google home or something for next to my desk. And then I could just like set appointments via voice and, and really take advantage of, of the improving, uh, voice, uh, phenomena that we've got growing in, um, in, in our technology. So I'm grateful to be in the time period that we're in, in the sense that there are these technologies and that I can take advantage of this and that I can, um, do better work and learn and um, make up for a lot of lost time because I'm hoping that a lot of kids today are able to find this out for themselves and have other avenues of learning. I know a lot of schools are enabling more types of learning, which is amazing. And I'm, I'm not going to be bitter about kids today having better experiences than I do. Like that's the point of having kids and evolving and doing things in, in new ways. And um, I think that's also part of my visual focus on dopamine on YouTube is wanting to express how much I'm a visual thinker or have, have adapted to being a visual thinker because of these needs and because of how I've needed to operate. So in a lot of ways, that's what I'm really been trying to do now or what I'm going to do going forward is using speech a little bit more, um, relying on audio and visuals and expressing through visuals as well. And, um, you know, hopefully that will connect with, with some people and, um, you know, I can contribute how I can contribute. Um, so I feel like this was important to share in terms of my story. I watched a couple of videos on YouTube that were really helpful. It was just a couple of Ted talks about dyslexia, um, that I think were really interesting that if you're trying to figure out if this is something you experience or need some support, uh, those videos really, really helped me. And, uh, if you need specific suggestions, you can just leave a comment below or send in a voice message to anchor and I will, I'll do my best to support you. Um, so yeah, I think that covers everything I really wanted to talk about on this topic. Uh, I was going to do a YouTube video about it, but I think just talking about it's totally fine. So let me know if you've got any questions, if this is something that resonates with you, uh, I know there are all sorts of different services and groups out there that, that, that talk about this sort of thing. Um, maybe there's some, some personality related stuff I can talk to because there definitely were some perceiver elements in there, but there are connections as well to ADHD and dysgraphia, which is a difficulty with writing, um, generalized anxiety and, uh, dyscalculia, which I don't think I have as much of an issue with, but Sometimes, yeah, that can happen every once in a while. I can have difficulty with basic math stuff. Um, but either way, it's this is not about woe is me. You know, the, the point here is acceptance. It's about, it's an example of acceptance. And acceptance means just finding a different path forward. It's not feeling shame around it. It's not feeling like I'm broken or inferior or anything like that. Those things are just all constructs. They don't really exist. Um... I mean, there are hierarchies, hierarchies exist, but I mean this like stupid or not stupid based on reading is just different usages of the brain, 
because if I were to say that, oh, you're not visual spatial, so you're an idiot, like, I think that would be more universally accepted as not true, <laughs> right? So it's really about converting this whole idea that, like, reading or text-based learning is is the barometer for stupid or not stupid. It's just not, it's just not real. It's just, it's, it's a construct. It's, it's frankly stupid. <laughs> so, um, all that said, um, yeah, that's it. So I've been doing new stuff on YouTube. If you want to go follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash dopamine TV, D O P E A M I N E T E V. And, um, we have a school at dopamine.school, same spelling dot school. And, uh, we've got courses for creativity and personality type and INTPs. There's also a link to personality hackers, personality tests on there as well. And new stuff coming. I've got ideas that I'm going to be working on in the future that, um, are hopefully going to be multi-sensory teaching. So, um, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself and, uh, I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya.